Thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female. Well, I'm not preaching on this, but boy, that's interesting already, isn't it? They knew the difference back then. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> verse four, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him, and Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth, and Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I want you to notice the next verse. It's our text. And the Bible says, in the selfsame day <clears throat> entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. And we just read some amazing scripture just right then. And I'm going to try to see if I can sort of unpack that a little bit for you today. And, and I hope it'll, be, uh, hope it'll be a help to you. You may be seated this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us today. We need his help today beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for the time, for this time that we have together today. Father, I pray now that you would, uh, I pray that you would settle in and I pray that you would settle us. God, I pray that we would uh, be able to, to receive the word this morning. I pray that, Lord, the spirit that is uh, here amongst us today would be one that's conducive to worship. Lord, that one is that, uh, one that's conducive to the receiving of truth. I pray that our ears will be open. I pray that our minds and our hearts will be receptive. Lord, I've got a lot to give in just a little bit of time, and Nobody's going to go away taking home everything I say today. I'm aware of that. But Lord, I, I do pray that there would be one statement, one truth, one point, one illustration. Lord, something that would lodge, something that would find a resting place. And I pray that, Lord, that it would go home with our folks. And I pray that, Lord, forevermore, I pray that it would change them and transform them. We pray most of all that our wonderful Redeemer that Miss Lori sang about just a moment ago. That is alive. God, I pray that he will be lifted up. I pray that he will 
receive attention and praise and focus and glory. And then, Lord, I pray that you would save that one that is lost and undone without Jesus Christ. Work through the live stream. God, we failed to mention the live stream crowd, I think, but I pray that you'd work in the live stream audience. Lord, please now come and help us today. And all that's done, I pray you would honor thee and please thee. Please give us thy power. Father, we surely need you. We love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. I think that we often, what I would call over-spiritualize many of the famous Bible characters of the word of God. A lot of times I think we forget that they were people just like us. We sort of think that they walked around with uh, a glow about them with a, a halo, uh, you know, over their head, and, and uh, they were some kind of uh, divine saints, those kind of things. But the truth of the matter is, they were people just like you, and they were folks just like me. They had the same similar temptations. And although times change and technology changes, how many know that temptations pretty much stay the same? And they suffered the same temptations. They suffered similar weaknesses, the same type of struggles, the same lifestyles. And I think one of the things, if we're not careful, one of the things that we uh, miss early about the great story of Noah, uh, that, in all the, that, that in the midst of all the chaos that is going on, Noah was a man with a family. He was a family man. And, uh, and, and a lot of times, uh, if we're careful, we'll, we'll just sort of read by that and we'll, we'll not even pay attention to that. Well, think about that. You know, think about Noah and all the things that he faced and not only Noah, but Mrs. Noah and then his three sons and they were all married. And, uh, and so we think about all the things that they faced. For instance, we think about the temptation. Genesis chapter six and verse number five tells us that God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In other words, every imagination was continually wicked. Now, that, that tells us something. If Noah and his family were people just like you and folks just like me, then that tells us that beyond any shadow of a doubt, that Noah and his wife and his sons and his sons' wives suffered horrible temptation. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I wonder how many suffered temptation this week. If I had you raise your hand, many of you, most of you, truth matter is, if we were honest, all of us would have to raise our hands. We've all suffered some type of temptation, whether it's the temptation to say the wrong kind of thing, the temptation to respond the wrong kind of way, the temptation to look at the wrong kind of thing. I mean, it, it, it could be a number of different things, but we notice here that, that the climate, the climate of the day was that of sin. It was a time of terrible temptation. So we understand that it took many years before the ark was completed. And so we understand that Noah and his family were under incredible and I, I really can't emphasize that word enough, that they were under incredible temptation. Not only temptation, but I thought about the ridicule. Did you know the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter two and verse number five that up until this time, it was probable that it never rained. Uh, let me read it for you, Genesis 2, 5. 
The Bible says in every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And so here's this fella and he's building this, uh, this monstrosity. I mean, he's building this incredible, this was not a rowboat. And some of, you, some of you folks have been to the, the, uh, the ark experience and we've not had the opportunity to go yet. I'm looking forward to going one of these days. But this was not a little undertaking. This was major. Amen. And here Noah was and he was building this, this huge boat, if you will, and yet it had never rained, not one time. You can imagine. People would come by and they would say, there he is. There's crazy Noah. Crazier than a bed bug, man. I mean, him and his family are involved in building this ark and it's never even rained and, uh, and here the, this guy is doing this and, and you know that when his wife went down to, to gather belongings, she was humiliated in front of the ladies. You, you know that his, his kids, as they had interactions among other youth, you understand that they were the ones who fingers pointed at and, and uh, there was a whisper about them and so they know only suffered temptation, but they suffered terrible ridicule. Then I thought about the labor involved. Genesis 6.15 talks about this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. So the ark is, is is at least 165 feet longer than the average football field. Noah has no cranes. He has no, uh, you know, power tools, nothing battery powered. He doesn't have excavators, bulldozers. John Deere had not, uh, Deere had been invented, but not John Deere back in that day. And so uh, incredible. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the labor was incredible. And then I thought about the work that was involved. Genesis 6.21 says it like this, and take thou unto thee all of all food that is eaten and thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be food for thee and for them. And so uh, Noah is gathering food for his family. He's gathering food for the livestock, for the animals. And so uh, again, I'm just, uh, this is all, I'm just trying to paint a little picture in your mind today that there's a lot going on in Noah's life. This is a, a turbulent time. Man, it, it's, there, there's a lot. He's got a lot, of, a lot of irons in the fire. And then on top of that, it's a, it's a terrible climate of temptation and wickedness and evil imaginations. What's really amazing about this story, at least to me, is this. That when it's time to go into the ark, did y'all see that? Noah did not lose one of his family. Now that's amazing. His boys are grown. His his daughter-in-laws are grown. He and his wife are are up in age. And uh, and so you understand there's been plenty of time to stumble. There's been plenty of time to be, be, uh, you know, tempted and to be drawn away uh, from the things of your dad, to be drawn away from the God that your dad serves. And yet we find here that when it comes time for the flood to come and it comes time to get on the ark, we find here that every one of Noah's family, his wife, his sons, and his son's wives 
all went on to the ark. In fact, our Bible says it not once, not twice, but three times. Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And God says it three times. He makes it very clear that when the time came, not only Noah, but Noah's wife, Noah's sons, and Noah's daughter-in-laws all make their way onto the ark. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, not every, not every parent can say that. I think about men like, I think about men like Lot. Over in Genesis chapter 19, Lot couldn't say that. Lot couldn't come out of Sodom and say, well, you know what? It was a bad situation, but I brought them all out with me because he didn't. He left some of them there. The Bible says, in fact, when the angels came to Lot and they told him, Lot, you better get out of Sodom. God's going to rain fire and brimstone in this city. And the Bible says that Lot began to go out and begin to speak to his sons-in-laws. The Bible says that they, they, they laughed at him as one that mocked. You're crazy. We're not leaving. You see all we have here, all the belongings, all the possessions. Our family is here. Our friends are here. Lot could not say that. How about this, Calvary? Even the, and I believe, I believe the prophet Samuel was probably one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, but even the prophet Samuel couldn't say that. Did you know our Bible tells us that, that Samuel's sons turned out to be worldly and carnal? 1 Samuel 8, verse number three. I thought about the patriarch Isaac. Isaac could not testify to that. Isaac could not say, oh, well, all my kids turned out great for the Lord. That wasn't the case at all. Uh, uh, Isaac's kids had some dings. They had some blemishes on them. And even as much as I love this Bible character, uh, and our Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart, even King David couldn't testify to that. King David had some children who went the wrong way, who rebelled against their father and rebelled against the God of their father. And by the way, some of them ended up dying. And yet Noah is living in this turbulent time of where every single imagination of man is so wicked that God says, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to start over and God's going to wipe the earth clean. And, uh, and he's got a hundred, over a hundred years that it takes to build this ark. And these, these young men have plenty of time to rebel. They have plenty of time to go away from God. And yet when the day comes, Noah does not lose not one of his family members. Now, that's amazing. I'm going to be honest with you. When I read something like that, I got to know why. And so I begin, to, I begin to study that out a little bit. And I want to share some things with you today, if I could. Uh, what Noah did to guide his family in the right direction. Now, this is simple, but I think it'll help you. How about this? Number one, we noticed that Noah was spiritual. Now, you figured I was going to say that, didn't you? You thought, oh, okay, yeah, preacher, go ahead and get that out of the way. I knew, you was, I knew you was going to slip that one in there, and, and you're right, I am. But the reason I'm slipping it in there is because God slipped it in there. Noah had such a, a, an incredible impact on his kids because Noah was spiritual. I noticed this about the story. I noticed that before Noah went into the ark, he walked with God. You're right there close by, Genesis chapter 6, look at verse number 9. The Bible says these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with 
God. Now, this is before the flood. This is even before the, uh, God says, I want you to build an ark. And we find that Noah has a spiritual relationship with God. He's walking with God. But then we notice this, that Noah not only walked with God before, uh, before the ark, but we notice that Noah walked with God after he came out of the ark. And by the way, if I just might remind you, uh, Noah and his family were not in the ark 40 days and 40 nights. They were in the ark at least a year and 10 days. And so this was not a, uh, uh, 40 days, 40 nights, they came out. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. That's not how it happened. <laughs> the rain was on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, but Noah and his family were in this ark for a very, very long time. And our Bible tells us in Genesis chapter eight, verses 18 through 20, that when Noah finally came out of the ark, one of the very first things he did was he built an altar to the Lord. And so Noah walked with God. He was a spiritual dad. Noah was spiritual before the battle and Noah was spiritual coming out of the battle. And that tells me a great truth, Calvary, that, that God in Noah's life, God was a major priority. Amen. He was major. Hey, parents, and again, this is this is very simplistic today. If you're going to make an impact on your children, a positive impact, you're going to have to make God a priority in your life. Yeah. It's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen. And I know that we're living in, the, we're living in this environment. We're living in this, this uh, day and time when there's so many other things that are competing for our time. They're com uh, competing for our affection. They're uh, uh, competing for our attention. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll take God and we'll put God way back on the back burner and, and we'll say, God, I'm not going to completely close you out of my life, but I'm just going to be honest with you at this point in my life. I just don't have time. I mean, I don't have time for you. And, and, uh, and I, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to tell you this, that if you've got kids in your house, if you're a parent here today, uh, you better understand something that if you put God on the back burner, there is a very good likelihood that your kids won't even have him on the stove. A priority. I'm glad that I had parents who were spiritual. I'm glad that I knew as I was growing up that God was a priority in our home. I knew it. I didn't always understand it. But I knew God was a priority. I, I, I watched my mom and dad as they walked with God. I've seen them in their Bibles. I watched them as they spent time in prayer. I, I watched as my parents served the Lord. My dad was chairman of the deacons. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. By the way, not bragging at all about, about that because I know that there's some of you sitting here this morning and say, preacher, okay, I didn't have that. And I get that. And I'm, I'm definitely not preaching this in a, in, a, in a braggadocious way. But I am saying this, uh, okay, you didn't have it, but could you at least do this? Could you at least give it to your kids? okay so you didn't have it okay so maybe your dad was an alcoholic okay I get it uh, maybe your, your family wasn't plugged into the things of God and you say pastor I, I never had that kind of lifestyle okay I understand that and by the way my heart goes out to you and, and I wish it wasn't like that but I am saying this since God has given you kids and God has given you offspring uh, would it be possible maybe that you would say I never had it but by the grace of God I'm going to give it to my children well, I'm glad at our home I knew that church was never a question. I, I knew. I mean, I just knew. We didn't, have, we didn't get up and pray about it on Sunday morning. <laughs> there wasn't nothing to pray about. 
Now, we did pray on Sunday morning, don't get me wrong, but we didn't pray about going to church. And I I knew, and by the way, I knew there was no sense of me praying about going or not going. I knew we were going. I knew we were going. You know, Sunday morning, we were going. You say, what'd you do on Sunday night? We were going. You say, what'd you do on midweek service? We were going. What about revivals? We were going. I'm, I'm just telling you, man, we, we, I knew, I grew up knowing that we were going to be in the house of God. By the way, resent that? Are you kidding me? No way. I'm so thankful that I had parents who brought me up like that because I'll tell you what it did. It told me that in this home, God Almighty is a priority in this house. Well, I'm thankful for those parents who give God the preeminence in their life and their family. I've thought about that and told this story in a long time. I thought about John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan was a preacher of the gospel and because of his stand for God, they had taken uh, taken John Bunyan, put him in the bed for jail for 12 years. 12 years he he spent in that that horrible jail and they said that one day his little blind daughter came down to the jail and uh, they let her come back to the cell where he was and she was all uh, she was full of glee and she said daddy 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 Uh, she said I've got good news I've got good news and he looked through those bars at his little blind daughter and he said well honey what's the good news and she said daddy they told me that they're going to let you out of jail today and he said well honey That sounds really good, but there's got to be some kind of, oh, no, Dad, no. They said they're going to let you out of jail today. If you'll just promise not to preach. If you'll promise not to preach Jesus, they're going to let you out. And John Bunyan looked back through uh, those bars and had a little blind daughter's tears streamed down his cheeks. And he said, honey, I love you like the world. But he said, if they let me out today, I'll preach Jesus on the street tomorrow. Oh, I want to tell you what, thank God for some people who make God a priority in their home. No, spiritual. But I noticed something else. Number two, I noticed that Noah was sound. Now, church, follow this. This is, this is helpful. Genesis 6, verse 9. Look at it. The Bible says in Genesis 6, verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah's a just man, and look what it says here, and perfect in his, genera- in his generations. Now, does that mean that he never sinned? That's not what it's saying. The word perfect, the word perfect there means sound. Or Or, okay, it means reliable. So, we all want a car that is sound. If you're getting ready to go on a trip, you're getting ready to drive down to the coast, or you're getting ready to go to Florida or out west, uh, boy, you don't want to get in a car that's a rattle trap. I mean, you want to make sure that, that you get in a car that's sound. You want to make, you want to know you're going to get there, you're going to get back, you're not going to have a lot of problems. Uh, We all want a car that is sound. We want a roof that is sound. We don't want a roof that's going to leak when the storm comes. We want a job that is, that is sound, that provides reliable income to pay our bills. We want a cell phone that is sound, that works when we need it to. Now you say, Pastor, okay, 
What, what's your point tonight? My point is this. Did you know the need of the hour? Yes, yes. The need of the hour is that children see some adults who are sound. Sound. Reliable. Reliable. Whatever happened to that? We need some boys and girls and some teenagers who can look up to a mom and dad and say, boy, my mom and dad aren't perfect. They aren't Superman, but I'll tell you one thing. Boy, they're reliable. They're sound. They're reliable. They're faithful to church. They're faithful to their spouse. My daddy's not perfect, they ought to say, but he's faithful to mama. My, my parents are faithful to the ministry. They're faithful to their job. Again, I don't want to get to this last point, but I, I'm just telling you that, that Noah had such a major impact on his kids, not only because he was spiritual, but because he was sound. His kids knew. They knew where he stood. They knew where he was going to be. They knew what he was going to be doing. And that soundness rubbed off on them. And when it finally came down to it, my dear friend, they walked into the ark with their dad. I'll ask you a question. Are you sound? So here's what we're seeing most of the time nowadays. It's just up and down. Everybody's on a roller coaster ride nowadays. Up and down, up and down. Sometimes in church, sometimes not. Sometimes reading their Bible, sometimes not. I'm not trying to pick on anybody this morning, and I'm not, I, I'm, not, I don't, I, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad today, but I am saying this. Oh, wouldn't it be a great day at Calvary Baptist Church if we had some mamas and some daddies and some Christians who'd say, you know what, uh, I may not be the Apostle Paul, I, I may not be Moses, but i tell you what I can do. I, I can just be reliable. I can be where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Sound. If you've never been to this place, you ought to go. Everybody ought to visit Arlington Cemetery. It's, 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 it, ought to be, it ought to be bucket list type stuff. It's not very far away from here. And uh, my wife and I have been there, and it, it's, a, it's an amazing place. It's a sobering place. It's called the Changing of the Guard. And the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier has been soundly guarded since 1948 by the 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment. Most of you young people don't have any recollection of this, but you older folks remember a hurricane called Hugo. <laughs> and Hugo came through and it, it wreaked havoc all across our state and other states uh, and it made its way through Washington, D.C. By the way, 86 people lost their life in Hurricane Hugo. And while this hurricane was fiercely making its way through Washington, D.C., just in case you're wondering, these men stayed at their post. And all throughout the rain and the lightning and the wind, the uh, horrendous wind, those men marched that step and they guarded the tomb and then later uh, Hurricane Sandy came through and those men guarded the tomb and, and they tell us that occasionally through Washington, D.C. That, that, uh, that snowstorms will come through and there is a shelter that these men can, uh, can go to if they want to but they tell us this, that it never happens 
They never leave their post. Wow. Man, wouldn't it be a great day at Calvary if we had some folks who'd said, I'm not leaving my post. Let the storms come. Let the wind blow. Let Satan do what he wants to do. Let the temptation roar. Let, let the problems come. And by the way, and just in case you're wondering, they're going to come. Right. Job said, man, it's, it's a few days and full of trouble. They're going to come. But all oh, that God would give us some men and women and some teenagers and some Christian people who are blood bought who would say, okay, there's some problems. Okay, there's some turbulence. Okay, there's some satanic wind. But by the grace of God, I will not leave my post. Sound. Man, I've got to know, uh, Noah, how? After all these years and years of unbelievable temptation and labor and work and, and all these things, and yet when the day came and God said, get aboard, all of his family walked right on with him. None rebelled. None said, well, Dad, you know, just, you, I, you know, you're pretty old-fashioned. I mean, Lord, that God stuff's good for you, but um, th this is a new day. This is a new age. By the way, had they said that, they would have lost their life. We notice here that Noah was spiritual. We notice that Noah was sound. We're done, but I want you, boy, I want you to give me your undivided attention. Number three, and last of all, we notice that Noah was steady. Now look back at Genesis chapter six and verse number nine because this is probably a main point. The Bible says, these are the generations of Noah. Look at this. The Bible says Noah was a, what kind of man was he? He was a just man. The word just means righteous in conduct and character. Someone said that character is doing right when no one is looking. Another person said it like this, that character is doing in the night what you would do in the light. I wrote these words down in my outline in big emboldened letters. Uh, the word uh, just there means steady, stable, consistent. Consistent. You know what this tells me? Noah did not live two different lives. Now, we're going to be done here in just a moment, but I want, you to, I want you to hear me out. I want to tell you what's killing, I want to tell you what's killing our churches. It's something called a double standard. In fact, in fact, listen to this. A recent Lifeway survey in 2017 said this, 66%, this is sad, 66% of young people around the age of 18 are leaving the church, some never to return, in part because of a double standard. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm talking about folks who live one way at church, another way at home. Live one way in Sunday school, another way in work. Talk one way at Calvary, talk another way at the plant. Everybody with me this morning? There's one lifestyle, you know, at Calvary, it's King James, 
a Windsor knot tie, uh, maybe a suit coat, shine your shoes. Uh, that's one lifestyle. But then when you leave here and you go out to the workplace or the office or the plant or, or the family reunion or uh, family vacation or out with your friends, it's a totally different lifestyle altogether. And I'm telling you what's going on. Our kids are so confused. They don't know what to believe. Listen, mama, mama goes to church, she acts like she's excited. She goes home, she cusses. Daddy carries his Bible at Calvary and, and even once while says amen, then he goes home and he punches holes through the drywall. I don't know. I don't know if we're coming or going. I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know what, what we're supposed to believe, what we're supposed to live. Now, my, my point this morning is this, that, that Noah was the same wherever he went, whatever he was doing. I know you've heard this story, but it, it fits so well right here. There was a farmer who owned an orchard, an apple orchard. And he had been after one of his friends to come over. He said, man, come over. He said, I'll give you a bushel. He said, we've good crop this year. He said, come over. He said, I'll give you a bushel. And he'd been after his friend for a while, and his friend never would come, never would take him up on his invitation and finally, the farmer got him sort of cornered one day, and he said, man, he said, I've invited you to come and invited you to come. And he said, you never have come. He said, what's up? And the guy sort of bowed his head, and he said, well, I'm going to be honest. He said, I was walking by your, your orchard one day, and he said, one of your apples had fallen off the tree and had fallen on the other side of the wall. And he said, I picked it up and shined it and took a bite of it. And he said, man, he said, that is the sourest thing I've ever put in my mouth. And the farmer started laughing. I mean, just laughing. And the guy said, what's, what's the deal? He said, man, he said, let me explain that. He said, several years ago, he said, we had a problem with the boys in our community stealing our apples. He said, so what we decided to do was, he said, we planted the sourest variety of apple you could find we planted those trees all the way around the wall but he said on the inside he said our apples are as sweet as honey pretty smart amen now what are you saying pastor I'm saying what was on the outside is not what was on the inside you know why Noah had such an impact on his, on his family because Noah was consistent Noah was steady. This is probably a terrible time to tell the story. <laughs> but I read the story about a fellow. He was hard up for work. He'd lost his job. And so he uh, went down to the local zoo to put in his uh, resume and application. And, and the uh, zoo manager, he said, well, he said, really? He said, we don't have anything open. He said, I do have one thing. He said, uh, he said our gorilla died last week. He said, do you think if I, if we bought a, 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 a gorilla outfit, put you in it, he said, do you think for a few weeks that you could imitate the gorilla and make people believe that you're, you're really it? And he said, man, I got, we got to eat. He said, I, I need a job. And, and so the guy said, all right, you're hired. So sure enough, they, they brought him on and man, they bought this suit and they put him in this gorilla suit and man, he was putting on the dog. Or maybe I should say putting on the gorilla, you know. And uh, man, he was... 
beating his chest. And I mean, he was going out and grabbing the bars and scaring little boys and girls to death. And man, he was baring his teeth and he was growling and going on. Man, it was something. I mean, they were getting better business now than they did when the gorilla was alive. It was something else. And all of a sudden, one day, he got a little, he got a little uh, too cocky. He was up on his trapeze and he was swinging back and forth and, and he, he, he went for a big swing and he, he lost grip and when he did, he flung himself over into the lion cage. And all of a sudden, the lion stood up and began to growl and the, and the, guy, the guy thought, oh my, word. you know, he thought, I've got I to get some help, I've got to cry. And he thought, if I cry out, he said, everybody, no. And so he, he, he thought, I can't cry out. He said, everybody know I'm a fake. And so he started backing up toward the bars. And every time he'd take a step back, the lion would take a step forward. Lion was just growling, growling, growling. And finally, the guy got back against the bars as far as he could go. And the lion kept coming. And he just screamed out like a, like a little woman, you know, like a little girl. And said, help, help. <laughs> and all of a sudden, in an undertone voice, the lion said, shut up, stupid, or you'll get us both fired. <laughs> Things are not always as they appear. Listen, church, that's all I'm saying. I wonder if today God would just lay it upon the heart of some parents who'd say, consistent, steady. Problems are gonna come, but I'm gonna be steady. Turbulence is gonna come, but I'm gonna be steady. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I know I need to do when I need to do it. I'm gonna be in my place doing what I know I need to do. And, and I know that some days are gonna be easy and some days are gonna come hard. Let's just put it out there like it is, Calvary. There's gonna be some days you don't wanna come. There's gonna be some days you don't wanna come. By the way, everybody thinks that preachers bound out of bed every Sunday. Whoa, we get to go to church today, you know. And I'm going to be honest with you, most of the most time it is like that. But it's not always like that. Amen. But on those days when it's not like that, you know what we have to do? We have to be steady. Right. Steady. Right. Steady. Let the wind blow. Steady. Now we got to bring this thing to a close. But before you close your Bibles, I want to show you something. And I want to show you something that, here again, that I believe is absolutely amazing. We notice here that when, it time, when the time came for Noah and his family to go on the ark, he didn't lose one of his family. So y'all are with me on that one. It's interesting, though, as we continue to read our Bible, we find out that Noah eventually did have problems with a son. But it wasn't until Noah lost his consistency that he had problems. Did you know our Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years? For 2 Peter 2, verse 5, if you need a, a reference, the Bible says, And spare not the old world, but save Noah, the hate person, a person, a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher for 120 years, a preacher of righteousness. Now, wait a minute now. I, I, track with me here today. Track with me. Here's what I'm saying. For 120 years, that's all his kids knew. For 120 years, they were used to daddy preaching, preaching right, righteousness. 
For 120 years, they were used to Noah being steady, being stable, being consistent, being reliable, loving God, walking with God. They knew that their daddy knew Jehovah. They knew that. And for all these years, man, he's doing what he's supposed to do. When he's supposed to do it, consistent, consistent. But then all of a sudden something happened. And we notice that one day Noah changes and decides to become a husbandman. In our terms, it would basically mean this, he got interested in alcohol. Genesis 9, 20, and Noah began to be an husbandman and he planted a vineyard, verse 21, Genesis 9, 21, and he drank of the wine and was drunken. Everybody with me so far? Stay with me. We're going to have a closing prayer. And he drank of the vine and was drunken. His kids never saw that. They never saw that side of dad. Listen to what it says. Genesis 9 22, and Ham, the father of Canaan, that's Noah's son, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. There was some squirrely things going on during this time. Some immoral things going on during this time. All of a sudden, some boys that saw a dad who, who had been consistent, 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 all of a sudden, they saw a dad lose his consistency. And by the way, you read on further and you'll find out that Ham ended up being cursed. Now, you say, Pastor, again, what's, what's your point? My point is this. It's imperative that we be steady in our Christian life. Let me put a picture on your screen. This is the tallest building in the world. It's called the Burj Khalifa in a place called Dubai. Rises more than 2,700 feet into the sky. It is over a half a mile tall. It has 160 floors and is twice as tall as the Empire State Building in New York City. And I've been on top of the Empire State Building. Some of you have too. It's way up there. It's home to the fastest Elevator in the world, the elevator travels at 40 miles per hour. The Burj Khalifa hosts the world's highest outdoor observation deck. The observation deck is on the 124th floor and the world's highest swimming pool on the 76th floor. But the secret to the stability of this massive building is where you can't see. It's underground. Before construction began to rise up, workers spent over a year, over a year, digging and pouring the foundation. It contains 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing more than 110,000 tons. The building is safe because the foundation is solid. How's your foundation? 
How's your home? A lot of times we're a lot of times we're real good at the peripheral, at the things that are seeable. But how's the foundation? Are you consistent? Are you sound? Are you steady? Are you spiritual? Walking with God, spending time with the Lord. I, I'm gonna be honest with you, folks. We're gonna have to have it. If our nation's gonna see revival, and if our churches are gonna survive, we need God to touch our homes, don't we? We really do. Let's bow our heads today. Father, thank you for this challenge. Lord, it's challenged me while I was preaching it. God, help us in our homes. Father, we do need you in our churches. But Lord, we need you in our homes. God, there's a marriage here this morning that needs a touch. Father, there's a parent here this morning that needs a touch from above. Lord, there's a home here today that if something doesn't happen, if God doesn't do something miraculous, that home's not gonna make it. God, I'm asking you today, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you today to do some miracles in some homes. God, I pray that you'll challenge some mamas and daddies today who maybe in just a moment will come around this old-fashioned altar and they'll say, Lord, I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to be sound, reliable. And Lord, I'm going to be steady. I'm going to be steady. Lord, one of these days when it's time to get in the ark, we call it the rapture of the church. I want all my kids to go in with me. Lord, my wife and I now are proud grandparents of seven grandkids. Lord, one of these days when the rapture takes place, I want all my grandbabies going in with me. God, I want none left behind. But if that be the case, that means that Papa's gonna have to stay with the stuff. I'm gonna have to do my best to be faithful. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Quickly, I'll, do, I'll try to do this quickly. How many are here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know, I know, I know that I'm born again on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that, you just slip your hand up today. You can take it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. But I wonder... If there might be one here today would say, Preacher, Preacher Steve, I'm going to be honest. I could not raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not 100% sure of heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. And right now, you'd slip your hand up. Say, Preacher, remember me. Remember me. All right. Remember me. Yes. I've saw three hands. Is there another right now? It's very easy to miss a hand, so if you haven't raised your hand yet, if you'll just raise it real high and sort of wave it at me. All right. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. How's your foundation? How's your foundation? Hey, 
moms, dads, grandparents. Some of you dear grandparents out there, man, if you don't stick with it, some of your kids, some of your grandkids aren't gonna make it. Some of you grandparents, your kids aren't really where they need to be. And if you don't stay with it and be faithful, your grandkids may not have a prayer. So I'm gonna ask you to make a move for the Lord today. Let's all stand if you would. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you'll work. I'm thankful for these that have raised their hands. Lord, who have acknowledged that they're not sure of heaven. God, as our personal workers are making their way to the front right now across the auditorium. Father, I pray that right now, please, that you'd work in the hearts of these that have raised their hands. And I pray in just a moment that you'd help them to come. And Lord, I pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. We'd just like to take the Bible and show them how they can know that they're going to heaven when they die. Father, give them courage to come. Give them courage to step out and to come today. Father, please do it, please. According to your will, I pray. Then, Lord, I pray that you'd help mamas and daddies and grandpas and grandmas. Lord, to to tiptoe down to this altar and dedicate themselves afresh and anew to the Lord and say, Lord, we're going to be steady. God, we're going to be sound. We're going to be spiritual. God, I want to make an impact on my home, my, my kids. Father, please, I pray you'd work today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist will play. We've got some folks across the, the front of the auditorium here. And if you need to come, if you raised your hand a moment ago and you said, Pastor, I am not sure of my salvation. And by the way, we've been there. I know what that's like. Would you do us this favor right now? Just step out. Just step out. If you'll take the first step, he'll help you with the second one. I promise you this. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made to give your life to Christ. Would you come? Would you come? With heads bowed. We'll sing in a minute. But would you come while we wait? While we wait. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I so need to rededicate my life to Christ. Preacher, I didn't even mean to let it happen, but I sort of wandered away from the will of God. My foundation began to crumble. I didn't mean to let it happen, but I got away from the things of the Lord. And I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come? While we wait, while we wait, we've got folks here that are going to pray with you. If you're watching the live stream right now, if you're watching the live stream, we're so glad to have you watching today. There's a number on the bottom of your screen. That's our prayer helpline. If you'll call that number, we've got some folks that are standing by right now that want to pray with you. They want to try to help you and be a blessing to you. If you don't know Christ as Savior, be sure you call that number right now. Right now. Call it right now. And we want to, we want to pray with you and try to, try to encourage you. And so please call that number. I, I pray that you would. 